Welcome to NARAL's The Morning After. Each Thursday, our podcast brings you the latest on reproductive health care, progressive politics, and the fight to keep abortion safe and legal. NARAL's The Morning After is a production of NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ProChoiceOH. Enjoy the show! Hi, I'm Gabe. I'm Elena. I'm Terry. Who? Terry. (laughs) My name is Terry Williams, and I'm pastor at Orchard Hill United Church of Christ in Chillicothe, Ohio. Oh, cool. I'm also from Chillicothe, uh, but I've been a guest on the show before. Elena Ramsey with the Ohio Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice, and I'm so glad to have Chillicothe represented. Yes. Terry's your guest. So this is an RCRC show. Yeah. Uh, What's up? So, uh, RCRC, we've been doing a few things uh, here this fall. We hosted uh, two clinic blessings to really show support for our patients and providers and the compassionate care that they provide. And so, actually, in October, we had our first one at preterm in Cleveland, which was very moving and powerful. What happens at a clinic blessing? Oh, yeah, everything from, you know, lots of great prayers, music, uh, blessings, and it's a time to hear from the staff, but also uh, people who've experienced abortion. And just to let people know that people of faith uh, you know, are supportive and will journey with their local abortion clinic. Because at least in my faith tradition as a tr- Christian, you're called to love your neighbor. And that includes your local abortion clinic. Mm-hmm. So we're there to yeah provide a powerful presence. And we did another clinic blessing uh, on November 9th at Your Choice Healthcare in Columbus, and Terry was able to join us along with five other faith leaders and, yeah, some phenomenal leaders. So, Okay. So why, why did you choose to go to that? Well, I, I actually reached out to Elena um, pretty early on when I found out that they were going to have a blessing because I had witnessed a few of my friends who are ministers in the Cleveland area at the first Mm. blessing, and I thought, this is really cool. Um, You know, I have journeyed with a lot of people in uh, my congregation and faith community who have gone through really difficult reproductive choice dilemmas. Um, And being a pastor, you know, you get invited into those really intimate, really personal moments of decision that are so sacred. And I like to support everybody wherever they are in whatever place they are in terms of their decision-making around their health care. And I thought, this is really cool that we, as the faith community, can come together to bless a space of holy decision and to bless people that are making a positive impact in, in health care in this community. So I reached out and I was like, Elena, I would love to come to this. Um, and she gives me a response that says, we would love to have you. You know, come <laughs> on. Uh, so for, for me, I, I traveled an hour up from Chillicothe because, well, frankly, you know, this is the nearest clinic to my community. Right. Um, even being an hour away, and to be able to bless those folk, to be able to to be a presence of blessing and acceptance and welcome for the people who are doing this very important work in this community, which is my community because of of the extension, uh, was just a real blessing for me. You know, I I kind of joke that the clinic blessing was really a blessing for those who came yeah. to be a part because the holy work that happens there. Um, the holy health care that goes on is is just a beautiful thing to be a part of. Do you feel that these events were successful? <clears throat> oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
Well, of course, we got great press, so we have to dispatch. Yeah, Yeah, come out and report on this. And it was just really great to also build a relationship with them because they said they don't often hear this side of um, the abortion debate. And to know that we really are the majority, you know, seven in 10 Americans Mm -hmm. uh, support access to safe and legal abortion. Mm -hmm. And that includes many people of faith. And so for them to be able to see that in action. Uh, to witness that, you know, in the media, mm-hmm. all the conversations that were had there, but then also for the community itself to come together, um, especially, I would say, you know, the, the one we had in Columbus recently, that came days after the election. Mm-hmm. And for many people, um, you know, at least here in Ohio, they were hurting from those results. And right. this was a time for us to be able mm-hmm. to come together in community yeah. and offer, you know, comfort and uplift together and it was kind of amazing we we started running out of room in in the uh the waiting room area that we had gathered for for warmth you know we uh tried to circle up uh around the edges of the room beforehand for uh, a pre-ceremony blessing and it was great because we were so close together you know there were so many faith leaders that had come out who weren't on the docket to speak, who weren't on the docket necessarily to participate in the the formal liturgy, but who had come to be simply presence there. Um, it was really, um, from my end, it was very successful. I got to see so many different people from not only my Christian community, but also we had folk of other faiths, other traditions who were there. It just made it for a really positive, diverse experience. Uh, so... Our side was there. The press mm-hmm. was there. Mm-hmm. There was some other. Do you want to talk about the other? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Of mm-hmm. course. Who had else showed back, up? Some protesters, <laughs> as expected. Uh, but it was really a stark contrast to the fact that we were offering, you know, love, and there was celebration. There was, you know, there was music, and um, just great storytelling. And then, of course, up the road. There are protesters with their, you know, their grotesque signs and words of condemnation, whereas we offer compassion. And, I mean, that's par for the course in this work, but I think it's clear, you know, mm. where people want to yeah. show their support. And, you know, in, in my religious tradition, we, we like to let folks know that um, you don't have to have a megaphone if your message is strong. And it, it really struck me that in that interaction, we had folk out on the streets with megaphones and these giant amplifiers screaming and yelling. And the voice that echoed in that space were the voices of women speaking about their health decisions and about how that space was a place of care and acceptance for them. And faith leaders who were able Um, you know, without a giant megaphone to speak words that rang true, you know, that we as faith leaders, we do not share the same words of condemnation that were being shouted from the street. And we don't believe a majority of our faith communities share that viewpoint either. We believe that we are in the majority of people in this nation who feel that people should have access to whole health care and health care that makes a meaningful difference in people's lives. Okay. Uh, so, you know, our, our folks that listen to this are primarily, uh, you know, in Ohio, but they're spread throughout the state. What's the sort of, what's happening in Chillicothe that you're seeing that you want other people to know about? 
So I, I think it's really important um, for people to understand the context in Chillicothe. Chillicothe is you know, about an hour or so south of uh, Columbus. We're a community of about 22,000 in the city, but 75,000 residents in the county. So we're kind of a regional hub, if you will. We're a regional healthcare hub with a regional hospital. Um, we're a regional cultural hub because most of the towns that are surrounding us are not that large. So when people come to Chillicothe, it's, it's kind of this um, somewhat uh, immigration of culture, if you will. And we don't have a lot of access to many healthcare options that are easily accessible in Columbus. What I see happening, particularly with, with women's health care, with birth control options, with access to abortion, with access to full-spectrum counseling, not, not just you know this kind of targeted um, agenda-based counseling for, for pregnancy and preterm, we don't have that full spectrum of options in our community. So people have to travel a great distance away or they have to make it up as they go along where they are. And what I'm finding in Chillicothe um, time and again are that folk who don't have access to things like birth control, contraception, um, when they end up pregnant and they don't have access to abortion, really awful things happen in their lives. They, they make decisions to try to end pregnancy through really unsafe methods. Um, you know, I was speaking with Elena earlier today, um, uh, kind of the concern about impending legislation, you know, further limiting access. And I feel like for my community, for many of the women in my community, particularly poor women, um, their access is already limited. Their access is already effectively banned. And we're seeing that trauma in the community and trauma in women's lives and families' lives um, who don't have the access to safe abortion. They don't have the access to full-spectrum counseling around their reproductive decisions. And it's really harming our community. It's harming communities around us tremendously, um, even being just an hour south of Columbus. you know. And there are other communities that are much more isolated than ours is. Um, many more communities that uh, have a lot more to contend with in terms of poverty and lack of resources. But even an hour south, even with a community of 20,000, we're seeing a negative impact on the public health, the community health, uh, as a result of our, our destruction of women's access to options. Okay. Yay, chili coffee. <laughs> yeah. Mm, mm. All right. uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's important insight. And uh, you know, I, I, I hate to say it, but whenever I see Chillicothe in the headlines about, mm -hmm. you know, about law enforcement or about healthcare, it, it's not positive news. Yeah. And I, know. and I think part of the struggle for, for me as a faith leader in the community, I see my community in a very positive light in a lot of different areas. We're making great strides, particularly in terms of, uh, treatment, the opioid epidemic, um, trying to access some level of mental health care for rural Ohio, despite the roadblocks that the state legislature has put before us and that you know other other government agencies have put in our way. But when it comes down to it, um, you know our our local health department ended up because of a funding snafu having to curtail almost 90% of their programming. Mm -hmm. So um, access to contraception for a period, um, you know, any kind of health education through the health department really got limited because of some funding snafus. 
And that just exacerbated a problem that was already there, you know. Um, our community does a lot of things really well. The concern, though, is long-term, we're going to have to do a lot better in terms of women's reproductive rights um, to serve a whole community. Because it's not just women. It's uh, women, their children, the entire community that's affected by the lack of access to real rights and real health care options. I, I don't know how uh, that... that uh, contrast to Columbus, but I know in terms of having real options, not not simply this kind of pre-selected slate of of somebody else's ideas for what you need. Um, you know, Columbus has has certainly had its struggles in that, that regard too. But I'm really glad to see with the opening of of several clinics now, we're seeing a, a broadening of that. Uh, at least from my perspective, what what's your your perspective on that? I mean, it was. Really great that we could celebrate your choice uh, healthcare opening, um, providing another option for medication-induced abortion, uh, and we need that because we're seeing our clinics closing um, based on unnecessary legislation, and um, you know all under the guise of religious freedom or trying to protect people's mm. healthcare. Um, but as you said, yeah, in the end, it's just causing more harm. Yeah. Uh, so it's great when we can celebrate, you know more clinics opening, and providing that, you know, that space. So it's happening, but we need more of it, certainly. Right. And your choice is on the north side of Columbus. And so Chillicothe is an hour from Columbus, mm-hmm. but it's an hour south. So, right. uh, you know, you're, you're basically talking about 90 minutes to yeah. get from Chillicothe. And that's assuming someone lives in Chillicothe, mm-hmm. uh, I you know I've been down there for uh, events and stuff, and if you're just outside of Chillicothe, it's rural roads that <laughs> many of them don't go yeah. in a straight line. <laughs> uh, None of them go in a straight line, <laughs> Gabe. I, I hate to tell you, you know, when we say down in the hollers, um, yeah, you know, I I grew up in Pike County, which is just south of Chillicothe, and. My parish, um, Orchard Hill, actually serves Ross and Pike County. We don't have a United Church of Christ congregation in Pike County. And, you know, I have, I have a congregation member who lives right on the county line between Scioto County and, and Pike County. Um, in that location, for those folk, it would easily be um, 90 minutes, even two hours, depending upon road conditions and everything else, to even access... Um, your choice, uh, healthcare, and through that process, you've also got to think about you know driving two hours to driving two hours from. For you know some of us is no problem because we drive all the time. We, you know we have plenty of resources. There are folks in my community that ten dollars is too much for them to spend on any particular issue in a month, much less the gas that it would take to drive two hours north and two hours home and pay for health care in between. I mean, it's it's just absolutely inaccessible to some people. Yeah. Um, and, and it's inaccessible because in addition to all of the geographic things that limit access, we have this additional layer of obstacles that are placed on our people by the folk who are writing laws and and prescribing legislation that's frankly unnecessary and unhelpful for their health care long term. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so speaking of unhelpful and unnecessary 
legislation. Good segue. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, next week, um, we uh, believe we're going to see a hearing in the state Senate for the six-week abortion ban. The Ohio House passed the bill 60 to 29. Um, 39? What was the final vote? <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. 60 to 39, bad. I believe. Um, <laughs> so the bill's passed one chamber. That's the important part. Hmm. It's uh, w- with what could be a veto-proof majority of 60 votes. Uh, it's headed to the Senate, um, and we need to stop this bill there. You guys know, but just for listeners. Um, because if it goes to Governor Kasich... He could veto it, but then it would head back to the state legislature where those same 60 members of the House of Representatives plus 20 state senators could override a veto and force the bill into law. Um, So uh, we're going to fight this thing every step of that process. Mm -hmm. Um, When you look at this bill, what does uh, a six-week abortion ban look like to you from your faith provider point of view? I mean, it's just unconscionable that we're putting forth a ban that restricts abortion access for for whom many women don't even know they're pregnant for six weeks. And this particular piece of legislation does not even make, you know, exceptions for rape, incest, and the health of a woman. And so it's... There's so many things wrong with it in the first place, mm-hmm. uh, besides being unconstitutional. But in the end, it comes down to not respecting uh, that sacred choice that someone has to decide mm-hmm. for themselves their reproductive lives and their futures and their families. Uh, that's not you know, moral decision-making. Right. Or that, that's just coercive political interference. And, mm-hmm. and it's going to have real life impacts on people's lives. Right. And, you know, as, as a local church pastor, um, I see this legislation, the six-week ban, as taking away the religious rights of people in my congregation. There are women in my congregation, there are women who, who have, you know, graciously invited me into their decision-making process who hold religious values that dictate they need to be able to care for the children that they have. And they want to be able to give their children a certain level of, of care and support in this life. And for them to know that they may be in a situation where they are forced to birth a child, um, carry a child uh, through process, that they can't care for. That is a moral decision that they don't want to make because they feel it's immoral to bring, you know, new life into the world that can't be nurtured or can't be cared for in that way. They need to have a decision available to them that's consistent with their moral and religious values. And what we're hearing from the state house is, no, we want to impose our religious values on you. We want to impose our religious values on your bodies and for the women in my congregation, the women you know across the state who are women that hold values, religious values that aren't the values of you know the 33 senators you know that are sitting right now, it's really unconscionable to me that we are having this conversation about their religious values in Columbus versus our religious values at home. We ought to have the right to practice our religious values in all that we do. 
And constitutionally, we know there's a very, very high chance that this bill is going to be struck down regardless of, of the process. The struggle, though, with that is why are we wasting so much time right now, time and effort and energy, that the legislature could be putting into things like universal access to contraception, right? Um, universal pre-K, really caring for the children that we have here right now that have, have been chosen and brought through uh, that process. How in the world are we here, you know? From a religious standpoint, it's just frustrating to me because I hear this couched in religious terms all the time, and people don't understand that people have different religious values and different religious viewpoints on this. Um, we, we care for the children that we have. We care for the children that people have chosen in this place. And we ought to respect people's choices. We ought to respect their freedom. Yeah, especially when you consider, you know, the ways, yeah, ways we're unwilling to care for, mm -hmm. like you said, the children we have today, you know, consider the border mm -hmm. crisis and children being gassed at the border and the impacts of that uh, on pregnant women, like... Mm -hmm. We're unwilling uh, in many faith communities, you know, to say that we can support abortion, but we'll say we're pro-life, uh, mm -hmm. which really means we're pro-birth because we don't want to care mm -hmm. for the families and children in our own communities yeah. that, you know, we want to say that we're pro-death or pro-war. Right. Uh, well, and, and I think the, the pro-life piece really... That, that phrase falls apart on this bill because, as you said, Elena, there's no exception for rape, incest, or the life of the mother. The life of the mother is, is a critical component as, as an ethicist, as a religious ethicist. You, you cannot establish this preeminence of, of people's existence one over another. You know, to say, we in Columbus feel that every single you know, fertilized egg, every single fetus is more important than anybody else that's connected to that decision. That's, that's a level of big brother implementation of values and forcing other people's values on us that I'm just not comfortable with. You know, we, we need to have a right for each person to determine their own values and their own decisions over what impacts their own bodies. And we're losing that at this point. Um, at which point we lose bodily autonomy in the society. Um, I, the sky's the limit in terms of what the government can now impose on us. Um, and, and for women to know that their state legislature doesn't care if they have been raped, they don't care if incest is a situation or an issue, and they don't care about their life because of their political agenda, that, that should tell us where we are in, in the greater landscape of politics in Ohio, you know? Preach. Keep raging it. Yes. You brought up, uh, I, I want to go off on a tangent. You brought up the uh, situation at the yeah. southern border um, with Trump using um, tear gas, uh, which, you oh, know, is, is a chemical weapon yeah. um, on families. Is there a discussion within the faith community on how vocal to be in opposing that? It doesn't seem to be a massive uproar from, for example, my mom's home Catholic church. Um, where Where's the faith community stand on actions like that? Well, let me tell you, <laughs> we're entering the season of Advent yes. in the Christian church, mm -hmm. and I am absolutely clear with my people, 
I dare you, I dare you to celebrate the birth of a brown-skinned babe who becomes a border jumper after Bethlehem, mind you. I dare you to celebrate that brown-skinned babe in a manger and then turn around and deny mercy to people at the border. That is completely inconsistent with our values. You know, the story, the narrative around the Christ child coming in our tradition is that this Christ child comes into the world, it's this beautiful one wonderful event chosen Mary you know decides to have this baby and this child comes into the world and so threatens the power structure that the powers of the day that you know the Herodian figure tries to destroy this child and this child and his parents have to flee into another country to avoid violence What we're seeing on the southern border right now are people who are fleeing violence in other countries. They're trying to come here for a a safety, a measure of refuge, maybe for the rest of their lives if they find, you know, a, a good place to be. And instead of meeting them with compassion and mercy, we are meeting them with with troops and tear gas. What kind of violent culture does that? I, I think you're going to see the kind of outcry around this situation, around tear gassing those families that you saw around family separation earlier this year. Family separation as an issue, we saw congregations across the spectrum. We saw traditional conservative, traditional liberal congregations. We saw people who were more fundamentalist and people who were more spiritualist come together with one voice and say, This is unacceptable. Family separation is immoral, it's unjust, and it's not consistent with our values. I think you're going to find through this entire season that folk are going to have a real dissonance, particularly in Christian congregations, of worshiping a babe in a manger while we gas babes at the border. That's going to be a big problem. I think you're going to see that develop into a coherent voice again. Because, again, people in our pews share that value that these people have sacred life and value as they are. It doesn't matter where they were born. It doesn't matter the color of their skin. What matters is that they are human people with human rights, and we need to stand up for that. Regardless of political party or ideology, people are people, and we ought to love them. Here endeth the lesson, right? Let's <laughs> give, a, give a preacher a microphone, right? You know, That's the point of the show. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, good tangent. Um, okay, uh, back on to the discussion of state legislation on Tuesday, um, December 4th. Uh, there's going to be a rally at noon at the State House on the west side steps outdoors. Hopefully, it won't be actively snowing and or raining. Um, are you going to that? Oh, yeah. Are for you coming? Sure. Are you going to be there? Terry mm-hmm. speaking. Hello. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, no, wait. What's, that's Thursday. 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 Getting all confused. Start with Tuesday. Start with Tuesday. Let's do Tuesday. Okay. Okay. Uh, So Tuesday is going to be a rally. Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone's invited to that. It's a wander up on the state house lawn and wave your sign and all of that. Tuesday at noon. And that's, yeah, because that's with, we got storytellers, we got medical professionals, we'll have faith leaders. So we have Rabbi Jessica Mm -hmm. Schimberg. She'll be coming as well. Yes. And we have um, our friends from Catholics for Choice coming Mm -hmm. because... Everyone's all out to stop these abortion bans. Nice. <laughs> and then Thursday, mm-hmm. your show. Yeah. We What's have up a, Thursday? A faith leader press conference, yeah. also at noon, also at the State House. 
And yes, Terry will be speaking along with other faith leaders mm -hmm. um, about, yes, how we trust moral decision-making and we honor mm -hmm. that and why we oppose the six-week abortion ban. Very nice. Mm -hmm. um, and then the last event we want to tell people about is the uh, December Repro Health Happy Hour. Um, it's uh, the same happy hour that we've done. Uh, December 11th is the date for that. That will be a week from Tuesday. Um, and that's going to be at the Hills Market downtown. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, profits for that or proceeds from that event benefit... RCRC. Yes. So folks can come out and have a beer, um, pitch in five bucks in the jar, and that will benefit the Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice. Yes. And, you know, I keep hearing people ask me in these last, last few weeks and months, what can we do right now to really support our values around reproductive choice? What can we do? What actions, concrete steps can we take? And I know a lot of times with all the stuff going on at the state house, all of the news that we're just bombarded with, we feel so kind of powerless and beaten down. Come out on the 11th and do something tangible to support the Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice. It's a small thing. It will make you feel so good, not just uh, because you made a good donation, but you have good beverages as well, right? But come out, have a little fun, interact with other people as well, make that kind of community connection. Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Anything you uh, want to add before we sign off? Hey, we're going to have a signature drink at that oh, yeah, gathering, yeah. What's, what's and it's named drink? after the morning, after podcast, but it's going to be in the morning mm. after margarita. Very nice. Yeah. Okay. There'll also be non-alcoholic drinks, but yeah, it'll be okay. a good time. Cool. Mm. All right. Terry, thank you so much for uh, coming out. You're always welcome to uh, yes. be a guest on the show again. Awesome. So. Thanks, Gabe. Yeah, and, and you brought Elena, which yes. uh, <laughs> fair. is always Very a plus. <laughs> so, okay. Thank you both, and Thanks, we'll Gabe. see everybody next week. Bye. 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 Bye.